0: The word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message.
1: In Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 uh, to you. It says, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So Father, we thank you for your word, God, and just ask your blessing upon this message. In Jesus' name. Amen. So talking about free from the law. Now, sometimes when uh, when you start talking about things like this or talking about the law, um, it gets confusing. And when we're talking about the law, we're talking about the law that God gave Moses and Moses gave to God's people. And so it gets complicated sometimes, Uh, especially maybe you've been in an argument like this or you've heard people uh, they're having like this. Uh, I guess this theological argument, or they're arguing about different, different things about what's sin and what's not sin. And uh, somewhere in the argument, the person will say, well, that's the old covenant. We're not under the law anymore. Or maybe you've been in a discussion with someone really, really legalistic and religious, and you had to use that line. But either way, so what happens, but some people, you can point out something that's an obvious sin that everybody should agree on with or without Scripture. You don't even need Scripture to back the thing up. It's, it's, uh, it's such a, a bad, uh, sinful act. And they'll tell you, but we're not under the law anymore. We're not supposed to judge because we're not under the law. That's the old covenant. So sometimes this gets frustrating and confusing. So my, my goal is to try and share some things, some thoughts with us today to get us to think about the real freedom that we have Uh, as children of God and so even when you're reading what Paul has to say it seems like his relationship with the law uh, gets complicated when we try to look at it too and uh, sometimes it's just sometimes it gets really frustrating when you're trying to figure out exactly what's going on at times when when you're reading in Romans 7 verses uh, 9 and 10 Paul says this he says I was once I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. Now, that sounds like he's not very fond of the law. It sounds like it's not a very, very good thing. He's saying that the law brought sin and death. None of us are fond of sin and death in here. But then in verse 12, he says this Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. What is he talking about? He said it, was, it brought sin and death. Now he's saying it's just and it's holy and it's good. That sounds complicated. That's what, he, that's what he just said. It brought sin and death. It sounds confusing, but it's really not that confusing if you look back a few verses because Paul uh, explains this thought, or I guess he sets the foundation for this thought that he's about to present, and it clears a lot of this up. And I'm going to read this one to you from the passion translation. This is verse 5 of chapter 7. It says when we were merely living natural lives, the law through defining sin actually awakened sinful desires within us which resulted in bearing the fruit of death. So that makes it a little more clear what he's talking about with what happened with the law. The law was given to bring life, but it brought death because by defining sin, it caused man to start living a sin conscious life and so what happens is when we're we're new creations in Christ when we're born again it's our spirit man that's born again is made alive is made perfect in Christ is made in and uh, everything is is brand new and from the time we're born again we are supposed to live a life that's spirit conscious and a life led by the spirit But most of the time, we don't. A lot of times when someone is born again, they automatically, they know how horrible they were before they received Christ, and so they don't ever want to be that person again, and so they begin to live their whole life sin conscious. And that's what the law actually did. It brought out a sin consciousness in man that actually caused him to struggle even more with sin and fall into sin and death. See, there are a lot of good people out there that love the Lord, that have given their heart to Christ, but they're never going to walk in the fullness of what God has for them because they're always living a sin conscious life instead of a spirit conscious life. Verse uh, Oh, verse one. It says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, which is sin conscious, but according to the spirit. Oh, there's no condemnation. We we, we quote that scripture a lot, but we leave out the second part. We have to live a life led by the Spirit. See, the law was good, but it was sin conscious. And because it was sin conscious, it was actually limited by the weakness of human nature. It was all on us, and we were never going to get it done. We're just not that good. Verse 3 and 4, it said, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. So the flesh is what caused the law to have these issues. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And here it is again, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, through Jesus, God achieved what we could not achieve. Jesus fulfilled every requirement of the law he took care of all of that so that now we are free and so this is where you will usually run into those different arguments with people about uh, something when it's pointed out you know as a sin and another person's response is we're not under the law we're not under the old covenant we're under a new covenant that's true we we are not called to judge the world we're not called to judge even each other but we can judge ourselves I can look at my own life and determine if, if what's holy before God and what's not. And uh, we need to be honest with ourselves. And so, yes, we've been freed from the law, but we talk about that. Oh, we're not under the law. We're not under the law. But that's not really the whole story because it's not really about what we've been freed from. It's about what we've been freed to. We haven't just been freed from the law. We've been freed to live a life led by the Spirit. And that changes, that changes everything. We're not just freed from the law. Okay, because the, And we're not free from the law because the law was bad. Paul already told us the law was good, that it was holy, that it was just. So the freedom we actually received is to live a life not by the flesh, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you, if you still live in the flesh, what you have to realize by that Scripture, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who do not walk according to the flesh, but by the Spirit. If you're still living a life led by the flesh, you're still under the law. Because the only way to really be free from the law is to live a life led by the Spirit. And so you'll have people. You can try to justify what you're doing all you want. You can try to convince yourself that everything's okay because we're no longer under the old covenant. But if you're not living by the Spirit, then you're still in bondage. If you're not in covenant with the Spirit of God, then you're, you're in covenant with something. When Jesus fulfilled the law, it did not mean that what was once a sin is now not a sin. Sin is still sin. And uh, I'm going to read a scripture on that in just uh, just a little bit. But see, we need to ask ourselves, am I living a life uh, by the flesh or by the spirit? Would the spirit of God have me behaving this way or would it be the spirit of the flesh? Would the spirit of God have me participating in these things that I'm participating in, whatever it is? See, there's not a person in here, every one of you are guilty of living by the flesh instead of the Spirit at times in your life. We're probably all guilty of, if we didn't do it this morning, sometime yesterday or last week at least, where you may, it's, it's something that we're constantly going to face and that we're going uh, uh, to have to make that decision. We're going to have to be intentional with the way that we live our lives so we're not, we're not back under that, that bondage. And so I want to share a story with you real quick from John chapter 4 about the woman at the well. And everyone knows this story. I like to talk about this story because I feel like she gets a bad rap and, uh, um, and the way that she is portrayed to people. But this is where Jesus is talking to her about living water. And so in verse 15, it says, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke spoke truly. Okay, so we've all heard this story. And when you hear in this story, we start to picture this woman in our mind. Uh, depending on the way this story has been portrayed to you over the years, and you're thinking about this, this lady, whether you're, you're thinking bad about her or you're feeling sorry for her, either way, she's had five husbands, and the man that she's now with is not her husband. But what we have to remember when we read Scripture, especially when we're reading these different parables and stories, is that everything in the Word can be applied to our lives. Now, I don't know if I can exactly explain that with all that genealog- genealogically... How am I say that word? Genealogical or genealogical? That word. When it comes to the genealogy, there I got it that time. When they're telling all the different tribes and then even to Jesus, I, that, we're in there somewhere with that too. But especially the parables, it can be applied to your life. And now it's not always literal. Uh, if you've been married five times and the person you're now with is not your husband, you may be able to apply this story literally to your life. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that way. It still applies to you even if you've never been married. And the reason is that is that every person in here, you are the woman at the well. Every one of us. And a lot of times, especially probably the men who have read this story, it's never crossed our mind. We just read right over this story. It's a good story. It's got a nice ending to it. I actually was reading a few weeks ago about the church folklore, what happened to this lady later on, and uh, it was pretty interesting. But we we don't think it applies to us. But I want everyone in here to think about it for a minute because you are the woman at the well. And the way that you're the woman at the well is by living by the flesh. When you're not living a life led by the Spirit and you live a life led by the flesh, in a sense, every one of us in here, are married to those five husbands, which are our five senses. That's what living a life by the flesh is about. Everything is dominated by our senses. It's all about what we can see, smell, taste, hear, and feel. Everything that we bring in, all the information we take in, decisions we make, are based on what? How it makes us feel in one of those ways. We're all guilty of being married to our five senses and sometimes giving them more authority than we do the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord as it leads us. And so you're in a, if you don't think so, just look at the way you, take note of how you do life this week, and you'll find out how deep your covenant with your senses are. And the sixth man, the man that's not your husband, that's your ideas. Because ideas can change, ideas can shift, and uh, you're not quite as committed with your ideas as you are your senses. But see, it's all of us, we're all like the woman at the well. And when the Spirit starts to reveal things to us, we sometimes act just like what she, what she did. It starts to blow our minds. And the thing about it is that we need to do like she did, realize that this is us, that God's calling us to something greater than just being dominated by our senses. He wants to free us to live a life by the Spirit. And so we need to do what she did, and we need to choose that seventh man. We need to choose Jesus, allow Him to really set us free. Not just free from the law, but free to a life led by the Spirit. And when we choose Jesus, then we'll be free to live that life and let those things of the flesh go. But see, what happens a lot of times is we get caught up in religion. Sometimes you can be the most, uh, live the strictest, I guess, I guess a, a religious form of holy life, holier than anyone else, and still be living a life led by the flesh. Look at the other religions around the world and some of the things that these people put themselves through uh, the, for, for their religion, for their God or whatever it is. They, they, live some, they do some crazy stuff. So it's not just about, oh, I, 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 this is how strict I live my life. You can, you can be as strict as you want and still be living a life led by the flesh because it's religion. And so here's what I mean by that. The story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis uh, 11 and uh, if you haven't read it or haven't read it in a while, go back and check it out sometime. But in this story, it says that they, they said to each other, let us, let us make ourselves famous or something like that, and we'll, we'll, we will build a city, we'll make a city and we'll build a tower from earth to heaven. And so they started on this tower, and we know that God said that because they were all in unity and because they were all of one language, that if he didn't do something, they would, be, they would succeed in anything they tried to do. So he, he knocks the tower down and confuses the people by giving them all different languages. Okay, so this thought came to Heather and myself years ago. We were talking about this. But um, when you think about what they were trying to do, we're the people at the Tower of Babel too. It's us. Because their, their goal was to get from what? From earth to heaven. That was their, to- their, their, their goal in everything they were doing. Well, when you think about it, how that applies to us, this, the first man, Adam, was made from what? The earth. When I die, this body is going back down to the earth. So this body is earth. And there's a lot of people, they spend their whole Christian life trying to get earth to heaven. Everything they do is about that. And you you just think about all the different doctrines and theologies and denominations and organizations. Everything they talk about is centered around getting earth to heaven instead of bringing heaven to earth. And I'm not talking about not witnessing to people. We should be witnessing to people sharing the gospel so they can accept Christ. But what we have to realize is through Christ and what he did when he went to the cross and rose on the third day, he took care of getting earth to heaven. When I accept Him, when I when I uh, accept in my heart Him as Lord and Savior, and confess with my mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, I'm saved. Earth is on its way to heaven. He took care of that part. But now think about all the time that you've wasted in your own walk of God, trying to get earth to heaven, instead of realizing that through Christ we now have the authority and the access to the throne to bring heaven to earth, where deliverance happens and healing happens and breakthrough happens and miracles happen and and, and God's will begins to happen. And so what happens is you have people, they've spent their whole Christian lives and they're in church every Sunday, not because they want to grow in their relationship with God and they want to have everything that Jesus promised, but because they're worried if they don't go, then earth's not going to make it to heaven. And you have people that they're reading and they're praying every day, but they're not doing it because they're in love with Jesus and they want to have this amazing relationship and they want, to, uh, they want to experience every promise in the Word and they want to help everyone else around them. It's strictly because they're worried that if they don't read their Bible today, what if Jesus comes back and earth doesn't make it to heaven? You've all done it for the same reasons too at different times in your, in your walk with the Lord. It was like it was a fear. And the whole thing was you're trying to get earth to heaven instead of realizing that Jesus already took care of it. And when you're spending your whole Christian life and every focus you have is about you hope you make it to heaven, that's living a life led by the flesh. That's living a life of bondage to religion or whatever you want to call it, whatever term you have for it. We're to live lives led by the Spirit. We've been freed from the law and freed to live a life led by the Spirit so that we can actually experience the life that Jesus said we could have. Accessing the things of heaven and actually bringing heaven to earth. And so we have to start living a life by the spirit and not by the flesh. And when we do, it will change everything. Everything will get a whole lot easier. See, if we as the church continue to live by the flesh, then we're going to continue to struggle with sin problems. And uh, the church is full of them. The church is full of just about as many as the world's full of, it seems like it sometimes. It's just it's everywhere, and, and it's not because there's not good people in the church, but there's just a lot of people in the church that have, haven't realized the freedom that God has provided through Jesus Christ. And so they're living a life led by the flesh, and we just heard that the law was weak because of the flesh, and when you live a life led by the flesh, you're going to be sin conscious, and when you're sin conscious and you focus on something all the time, guess what's going to show up? the thing you focus on when you begin to focus on the things of the spirit and the things, the promises of God and even the things that seem impossible guess what happens the impossible it starts to happen but if you're if you're constantly sin conscious then you can expect to start seeing a lot of sin I'm not saying you're gonna fall into sin and I'm not questioning anybody's salvation I'm talking about good saved Christian people but you're gonna have a struggle with it we have to live our lives led by the spirit In 1 Corinthians 6, and starting in verse 9, it says this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. That right there kind of destroys that whole argue, argument of that we're no longer under the law. We might not be under the law anymore, but it also says, And such were some of you. We're supposed to come out of those lifestyles when we've been freed to live a life by the Spirit. It says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay, here's a whole list of different things that says will not inherit the kingdom of God, things that are listed as, as sin. And every single sin on this list comes from living a life led by the flesh. And uh, the thing about it is sometimes you just have to every now and then just go through and and remind yourself because this world tries to tell you that everything's okay. And the church, a lot of churches try to tell you that everything's okay. Uh, In fact, uh, just uh, the three months ago or whatever it was that I uh, spoke on this at 707, there was a church in California that was having a special Thursday night service to uh, help people who had been sexually frustrated during COVID. And the the stuff they had on there that they were going to be talking, they wouldn't tell what they were going to be talking about because it was going to be so bad. And then you can say, oh well, that's just California. But just a few weeks ago, they had a church. I think it was somewhere in South Carolina. Anyways, it was within driving distance, a few hours from here. They were having a special event at their church, and it was called. uh, It was to try and get people to come to the church, and it was called drag someone to church. uh, Special drag someone to church service or something like that. And the the catch to the service is the guest speaker was a drag queen. Now that just sounds like that just sounds crazy, but they were they were going to do something like that. And and here's the thing, it's it's not that we're we're not supposed to be hateful people. And I don't I I guess the best way I know it seems like back before everything was on social media and you knew everybody's dirty laundry, you didn't really. Like now we call people friends and we ain't seen them in. some people we've never even met in person ever. They're only friends online, right? And so now that we've got this, you know, uh, I would say probably real friends. I, I don't even know if I'm in double digits with real friends. But as far as online, you know, I've got like five or six hundred friends. And uh, the thing about it is when you start to know someone who's in a lifestyle and you consider them a friend or a good person. A lot of people start to try to, because they're a good person, act like the lifestyle's good, if that makes sense. And it's like if we don't agree with that lifestyle or that, that thing that that person is doing, then we're against the person. We're not against the person. We're against the, the, the thing that's trying to destroy uh, their life. I have a lot of uh, people I know, good friends that have a lot of problems. And they're amazing people. Some of the nicest people that you would ever meet. And uh, they're on drugs. Uh, some of them will lie. You know you only believe about half of what they say. Uh, you, some, all kinds of things. Uh, in fact, uh, two of the nicest, I got a lot of cousins, y'all. I got like 26 first cousins just on one side. So I got a lot of second cousins. They're all over the place. But two of probably my nicest cousins I have, One's been in and out of jail uh, for the past couple years, like uh, several times because he has a drug problem. And the other one about, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, uh, I got to see him on the six o'clock news where he'd robbed a bank. Nicest guy you will ever meet. And he's, he's out now doing great. It may have, may have been longer than 15 years, but he's doing great and still nice. But he was in a bad place at one time. Now, just because he's so nice, I guess what? I still think it's wrong to pull a shotgun on somebody and rob a bank. It's probably not, it's not only just not a good idea, it's not nice. I'm never going to agree with it. I'm never going to say it's okay. My, he can call me for anything he needs and the love I have for him and what I think about him as a person has not changed. What I think about the actions that he did on that day were really not very smart. And he probably scared someone half to death, even though he wouldn't have done anything. Uh, but that's how we go, we say, Oh, we can't you oh you can't uh, you can't say anything about that sin anymore because you know so and so's nephew, you know, they're in that lifestyle, and so and so's niece, you know, she has that problem or she has that issue. And and so we became, it's like the church has started accepting everything instead of just telling the truth uh, in love. And uh, I have a friend that's probably guilty of everything on this list. And, uh, and, and it doesn't change how I feel about them, but they also know how I feel about what they're doing. And uh, I'll, just, I'll just say, I had a friend years ago, and uh, this, this person is in a homosexual lifestyle, and uh, he wanted to come see me and ask my advice on some stuff. He comes over to the house, we're hanging out, I talk to him and all that, and uh, right before he left, he wanted, to, uh, he wanted to bring up, he wanted to ask me a question about a relationship he was in because he was having some relationship problems. He wanted to ask me for relationship advice. <laughs> you know what I did? I tried to help him as best I could. I mean, he was in this crazy relationship with this thing, and, I, and, I, and it opened up the door for me to have a little bit of a conversation before he left my house that night about my thought about the trouble that he was in and, his, and, and guess what? He, he sent me a message just a few weeks ago. That was years ago. He sent me a message just a few weeks ago asking me a question about something else. It didn't change anything. The fact that he knew I didn't agree with what he was doing didn't change our relationship with each other because he knows that I still love him and he still loves me. We're, we're, it doesn't, it's not about that. But it doesn't change the fact that sexual immorality and sexual perversion is a sin fornication is a sin no matter what the world says adultery is a sin homosexuality is a sin Uh, sex outside of marriage in any form is a sin idolatry idol worship is a sin lying is a sin stealing is a sin fraud greed verbal abuse everything that was listed it says it will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's, all, it's, it's still a sin. Just because we've been freed from the law doesn't mean that these things are good for us. That's what Paul says. See, and when you look at each of these things, it's really easy to answer that question of whether or not the flesh would lead you to do this or would the Spirit of God lead you to do this. The Spirit is not going to lead you into uh, sexual immorality. The Spirit of God is not going to lead you into a life of deceiving people. I had a good buddy who did that all the time. He ended up having to move to Florida for a few years. The things cooled down. Great guy. <laughs> not, he's not getting any of my money, though. <laughs> See, what happens is anytime you live a life led by the flesh and you, you, you take part in these acts, ultimately it's going to bring shame upon you. And the Holy Spirit would never do that to you. That's always a result of living by the flesh. And so if we say that we don't think it's bad to do one, some, or any of these things, and it, I don't care how close you are to the person that's in this lifestyle or how amazing they are, how nice they are, some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. But if, you, if you're okay with any of these and you claim to be living a life that's led by the Spirit, then you really we need to check ourselves because we may be being led by the wrong spirit because the Spirit of God is not going to lead you that way. There may be a spirit leading you, but it's not the Holy Spirit. It's a deceiving spirit that wants to cause you to believe something that's contrary to the word. The Holy Spirit would never do that. And ultimately, it's going to lead you into a a life of shame. See, when we're being led by the spirit, then we will have the wisdom of heaven in our lives. And I need that because I'm not the smartest person in the world. I'm probably not the smartest person in this room. I might not even break the top ten. But it doesn't matter because I can have the wisdom of heaven in my life. We've got to get rid of the wisdom of the world, which really, when you think about it, is not wisdom at all. It's just, it's just an opinion. It's just an agenda. Proverbs 9, verse 1 tells us this about wisdom. It says, wisdom has built herself a place, a palace upon seven pillars to keep it secure. So wisdom is built upon seven pillars. So that would lead us to believe that there are seven pillars to wisdom. And if you go to James chapter 3, verse 17, we find seven, uh, seven things about wisdom, which I don't think is a coincidence. It may be, but I don't believe that it is. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So seven pillars that that wisdom is built upon. And here we have seven characteristics of wisdom. And a lot of people want to focus maybe on those in the middle. Peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, and good fruits, and pure at the beginning. Those are all great, but what about the last two? Without partiality and without hypocrisy. We have to stay true to the Word of God. See, there's a wisdom that comes from living a life led by the Spirit. And that's what we've been all free to do, to live that life led by the Spirit of God. And so I just want to challenge all of us today to take a look at, uh, at our own lives and ask ourselves those questions and be honest with yourself. Uh, are you living a life, are we living a life that's led by the flesh or by the Spirit? With the choices that we're making, is it led by the flesh or the spirit? What's our motivation? What is what is leading us in that direction? With the circumstances that we that we find ourselves in, with the circumstances maybe that we continue to put ourselves in, with the lives that we're living, the lifestyles that we're promoting, and that we're, and that we we're, we're we're living ourselves, or that we're okay with. And I would hope, and I would believe that if we would do that and be honest with ourselves, that we would all choose to live a life of freedom a life of being free from the law and free to be led by the Spirit. Verse 1 of chapter 8, again, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Make sure you follow the whole verse because it's just amazing how much more freedom you're going to actually experience. I think the whole world has found out, um, well, in the past two years that We don't exactly have the freedom that we all thought we had with all the shutdowns and the rules and the mandates and everything that's been going on. But see, we can still be free through Christ. There's a lot of people who thought they've been free, been in the church for years, and I believe if you ask yourself these questions, you might be surprised to find out the areas in your life that you're not as free as you thought you were. And God wants you to be free. He wants you to be freer than you've ever been, and we need to be and this time of what's going on in the world, so that we can help lead other people into that freedom, and they can experience the life that Jesus has for for each and every one of us. Father, we just thank you, God, for freedom. God, not just because you freed us from something, but, Lord, you freed us to something. You freed us to a life uh, led by the Spirit, a life in connection and relationship with you, Father God. We just thank you for for all that you've done and all that you've made available to us, Lord. And when you made our spirit brand new, you took care of it all. So, God, I pray that we would all begin to live our lives led by the spirit, going after you with all that we are, Lord, putting fear away, God, knowing that you've already taken care of it, God, and that we can be free to pursue you with all of our hearts. God, I pray for every person in here, Lord, that they would just experience a peace like never before and a freedom like never before in their relationship and their walk with you, God. Lord, even a freedom to share with others all that you're doing in our lives. And God, we just give you the honor and the glory, and we just praise your mighty name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroodchurch.com. If you're local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 AM Sunday mornings and seven o'clock PM Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.